it's not enough for us to be bombarded by how-to lists and changes on money habits. Sometimes what's actually needed is for us to discuss and reflect on the mindsets and life experiences that have formed our current relationship with money. But what do I know? Some of my outlook on money was really that you earn it by the sweat of your brow, that you work yeah, that hard sounds... for money. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> you that sounds to... very Nigerian, very African. Very, you gotta really... struggle. Oh. Now yes. my goal is to earn money while I lay on a beach. But growing up, it felt like in order to deserve money, you had to work hard, you had to struggle, you had to put in extra effort. This is But What Do I Know podcast with Chit Suzanne, a space for affirming, for learning, and for healing. A podcast and community where we're exploring our But What Do I Know moments in hopes that it helps you, the listener, overcome yours. You ready? Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Boa Duano podcast. I'm your host, Chid Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode. It is Wednesday, and uh, this Wednesday, I am feeling tired, but you know what? I am looking forward to the holidays. Halloween is done. Canadian Thanksgiving is done. So what? We got Black Friday, which really isn't a holiday for us here in Canada, but we got Black Friday, American Thanksgiving, then boom, the holidays. <laughs> I'm counting down. I'm looking forward to some time to just be away, rest, reflect on this long ass year and <laughs> eat some good food. Um, and so, yeah, I'm feeling tired, but I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to the holidays. With that being said, you know, before we go any further into this podcast episode, if this is your first time, you know, tuning in and, you know, you just happen to find this podcast, welcome. This is our little corner of, you know, the internet where we're having conversations that are affirming, that are packed with life lessons. And, you know, we're also having conversations surrounding healing on this platform as well. So welcome. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoy it, go ahead and binge all the other episodes. Make sure that you are, you know, leaving us a rating and review. Five stars, please. Okay. Um, <laughs> on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This just, again, you know, it keeps the algorithms knowing that we are, you know, relevant, that people are listening, they're enjoying what they're hearing, and we keep getting recommended to more potential listeners. So thank you so much for doing that. You know, if you want to keep in contact with us on social media, if you want to keep up with what's going on, you know, behind the podcast, you want to see IG Lives, which you just did one um, last week, if you want to see some Reels, some BTS, a lot of, you know, cool information and visuals as to how the podcast sort of comes together. You can keep up with us on our But What Do I Know podcast page on Instagram, which is at BWDIK podcast. There are some podcast visuals as well on our YouTube page. If you're a visual person, we have some visuals on there. We have some episode conversations on there as well, some clips, some main segments. You can definitely check that out. The link is in this episode description, but you can also search up Boa Duano podcast on YouTube as well. All right. So that is everything. Let's go ahead and get into our current segment for this episode.
right, so for our clue segment for this episode, I have a curated list of items that I want you all to clue into this week. Listen, I know, you know, the past few weeks have been, you know, just really, really, really hectic and dire. There's so much going on in the world, both locally and globally. And, you know, it definitely can create feelings of, you know, uneasiness in us. And I see a lot of people that are really just doing the work and doing the absolute most out there to just, you know, speak truth and empower people and use their platforms for good. And so I do want this clue in segment to kind of feel like a curated list of things to almost feel like a hug at the end of a long day. After you've done all the work outside, inside, you've poured into people, you've been tackling systems all day. I hope that these items can kind of give you a little bit of joy right now. And so we're going to start off with a book that I recently finished reading. It's called Where We End and Begin. And this is a beautiful romance novel. It's by a Nigerian Canadian author, Jane Agaro. And I absolutely love this book. It's about a Nigerian woman who lives in the States. She lives in the U.S., And then ends up going back home to Nigeria for an event and then, you know, just has to sort of face her past life, including a past lover, her family, secrets come out, you know, issues are dealt with. And she just has to kind of deal with it and make some really critical decisions surrounding love, surrounding her life and her family. And so I'll leave it at that. I won't spoil it any further, but um, it's definitely a good book. It's also an easy read or listen to um, at the end of a long day. So definitely go ahead and check out Where We End and Begin, a novel by Jane Agaro. All right. Next on my list is a tool. This is an app. Um, I might have talked about this earlier in the podcast. I want to say like back in season one when the world gave me similar feelings in 2020. And um, this is a really helpful app. I use it. I actually kind of fell off a little bit this year, but I'm starting to kind of use it again. And this is called Insight Timer. And this is um, a meditation app that has about 100,000 to 200,000 free, you know, meditations, affirmations, focus sessions, all of that. And they can be used for different things and at different times of the day. So they'll have some for the beginning of the day. They'll have some for, you know, like the middle of your day and some right before you go to sleep. Um, Some are faith based. So, you know, if you're a person of faith, you can also kind of go into those as well. But I really like the I am affirmation practice by Dora Kamu, who's a wellness practitioner that has a couple of um, meditations and affirmations on Insight Timer. I really like it. It's just one that really speaks to me. There's also another one by Dora as well called, called For the Strong Ones. And that that session is too relatable. So those are ones that I've been finding myself having to go back to. And so I hope that this app helps sort of bring you some ease this week. For our listeners that are local here in the city of Toronto, you might appreciate this. The next on the list is an event. So you all know this is an annual thing that kind of takes place in the city of Toronto. Um, Every time around the holiday season, the Toronto Distillery District um, sort of announces the opening of the Winter Village. And so this year, the Winter Village will be opening up on November 16th with the annual like tree lighting ceremony that goes on. And um yeah, it'll be open till about December 31st this year. And so, of course, you know, you can go get your cute pictures by the tree. You can you can definitely explore the district. You can do some shopping. You can shop some local vendors. I know they had like food and holiday themed drinks. When I went about two or three years ago, um, you can also enjoy some holiday themed live entertainment as well. So this is definitely a cute little outing with your friends. You can go by yourself. You can go to date. But it's definitely just a fun sort of relaxing way to also get you into the holiday mood as well. So if you're local here in the city of Toronto, definitely consider checking out the Toronto Distillery District when it does open later this month. 
All right. And the final item on this list is a song. It's a song of the week. Um, I recently found out about this artist and this song um, through Apple Music's R&B station. I just had it on shuffle playing. And, and, you know, this song came on. And ever since I've been like, ooh, I'm feeling this. And I love it because I feel like it's the perfect fall R&B song. I mentioned in our previous episode that I've just been looking for songs to transition me <laughs> into fall and to kind of fit my mood and vibe for this fall because I'm really just looking for calm and ease. And this song just does just that for me. I really, really, really do love it. And um, it's by R&B artist based in the US. His name is Kamari. He also released a new project called um, A Brief Nirvana that came out earlier this year, I believe in March. So right now we're going to go ahead and get into These Fall Walls by Kamari. Y'all, this song, this song is that song, okay? Waiting for your call, but you never call. If I didn't know different, I think you didn't care at all. You said you'll meet me halfway, but I know you won't. And more than not these days, I feel this way. But these four walls keep me company. They don't ask for much Don't test up and leave These four walls I've got these four walls Even when you don't call Trying to find the words to say It's kinda like walking through mines Cause we were born on different planets But you would love it back in mind Ooh, y'all, this song right here just puts me into such a very, you know, calm, loving mood. And I know that it's more of a heartbreak song if you really take in the lyrics, but maybe it's just the instrumentals, beat, the rhythm, Kamari's voice. Like, it's a real soothing song for me anyway, but I hope y'all enjoy it. Go ahead and check out Kamari's These Four Walls on, you know, all music streaming platforms, wherever you get your music. Go ahead and check that out. All right, so it's about that time where we get into our main segment for this episode. I hope that, you know, this list of items that I shared on our Queen segment this week definitely helps to bring you all some ease. I know there's a lot going on right now, but this is where I would say make sure that as much as we're all doing the work and we are pouring and pouring into organizations and people, make sure that you're also refilling and that you're also taking time to just take care of your mind and your spirit. So I hope these these curated um, lists and items definitely help you this week. But yeah, we're going to go ahead and get into our main segment conversation now. And um, it is November, so it is Financial Literacy Month. And this year, I wanted our conversations to focus a little less on how-tos, a little less on do this to get this, a little less on, you know, invest here, do this, save this. And I wanted to sort of get into the stories behind what creates our mindset, what kind of creates the relationship that we have with money. So we're going to be diving into the stories of our guests for this episode and our next episode. We're going to be hearing, you know, some some stories and some life lessons. And hopefully you are able to take something away that will then help you to interrogate your relationship with money and hopefully help you form some new money habits as well. So let's go ahead and get into our first conversation for November. listeners for our main segment conversation for this episode. I'm excited to get into it because it is Financial Literacy Month. 
And you all know it's kind of become a little tradition that we'll have financial related conversations during the month of November. But this year, I wanted to have something a little bit different. I didn't want it to just be, this is how you save. This is how you invest. This is how, you know, I wanted it to be a little bit more qualitative. And I wanted us to get into the stories um, and the backgrounds of some of the financial like experts and the financial educators and strategists that, you know, we all see on Instagram. So for our first conversation for this month, we have Tox Ayinla with us and I'm excited. Tox is a business and lifestyle strategist as well as a speaker and writer. And, you know, she also dabbles in content because, of course, she creates content for all the different work that she does. So Tokes, welcome. I'm excited to have you on the Boaduano podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. It's going to be a great conversation. Girl, it is. I'm excited. I feel like I've known you for a little bit. I've followed your work. And one of the reasons, like I've always wanted to have you on the podcast, but one of the posts I saw that made me go like, okay, I absolutely have to have her on is I think you had posted about mindset. And I feel like your work is where like, business strategy and mindset work kind of like meet and collide because in that post I think you was a real you had done and you were talking about like making like changing your mindset and being positive because you were in debt and now you're you know like just and where you were then isn't where you are now so I just yeah. really appreciate that you come you approach your work with like not just the business strategy side but also like the mindset work as well you know so yeah that's important to me I, I don't think you can logically or effectively separate the two mm -hmm. so I might as well just talk about it all mm -hmm. exactly okay so we're gonna get into a little bit of your journey um we'll talk about it of course throughout this episode but if you could kind of give us a brief uh summary of how you even ended up becoming you know a business and lifestyle strategist what has that journey been like yeah so in 2019 I quit my job <laughs> to become an entrepreneur I wanted to write a book and I also wanted to initially coach, which I've kind of stepped away from. I kind of like strategy a little more because you don't have to stay with the same client long term. And I was going through it in life personally. Um, financially, I was in the pits. Emotionally, relationally, everything was kind of just low. Damn. And mm -hmm. it got to a point where something had to give. And working through all of those components, like dealing with my finances, building my business, um, recouping relationships and recovering from some negative relationships and also redeveloping myself made each part couldn't be done without the other. Mm. And when I realized that each part needed to be done, I wanted to help people do it as well. I'm very big on, I can help you with your journey because I know what it feels like to be in the pits. And I think that my personal experience is really what strengthens my ability to talk about the things I talk about and do the work I do and really help people strategize. Even the methodology that I created called Rootwork Strategic Goal Setting was created from my personal experience of what I did to pull myself out of rock bottom. Wow. I took the tangibles and then I applied it in different case studies and realized that the skill set and the steps could be applied across the board with individuals, with corporations. And it turned into the thing that I use to help individuals. I work with a lot of tech strategists. I'm sorry, no, tech startups. I use this technique globally and it all came from like heartbreak and depression. So <laughs> strategy is a big thing for me because I personally am a testament to it. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, well, firstly, 
just putting that in the air, we're probably going to have you come and talk about that specific strategy. You said root work strategy. Yeah, strategic goal setting. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have you come talk about it maybe in the beginning of next year or something for how we can goal set for the year, because I definitely like it. And I also love that your story is very holistic. And I think those that's very important because a lot of conversations I aim to have on this platform, it's like allowing listeners to see the intersection of like where money meets the mind, meets relationships, meets, you know, pulling yourself out of the pits, like you mentioned. Yeah. So it's it's sort of beautiful that the work that you're doing right now came from that time, you know? Um, so I guess before we kind of go any further, it'd be good for listeners to have an idea. So if, in simple terms, if you could explain, you know, what the concept of like business or lifestyle strategy is and why it's important for, you know, entrepreneurs who might be listening or, you know, people who are organizing their business and lifestyle, that kind of stuff. Like, what's that concept like? Yeah. So the business and lifestyle strategy is pretty much helping you achieve sustainable goals in your business and in your life. So lifestyle is everything from your finances to your relationships interpersonally mm -hmm. and also your personal development. So anything that you want, I will help you using your own skill set, what you already have, create the life of your dreams in a sustainable manner. Because I feel like a lot of times we get excited, we get hyped in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then six months later, the hype is gone and now the motivation and the passion is gone and you fall off. And I'm not a fan of that. I'm going to give and share tools so that even when you no longer speak to me or we're not having meetings anymore, you know what you need to do with what you already have to continue to flourish in that life or business that you truly desire and deserve. Mm -hmm. Heavy on the, with the tools and skills you already have. Like, I like that you yes. said that too, because a lot of times a lot of coaches or masterclasses or things are sold to us as like new things you need to acquire, new things you need to mm -hmm. buy. But I like that it's, you know, with the tools that you have, learning to kind of like build out the, the, the life that you want sustainably as well, because girl... Yeah. <laughs> Girl. That sustainability piece. <laughs> yeah. It's the struggle. Girl. <laughs> it is such a struggle because you, like you mentioned, like the first two months, it's going well, you're excited. And then when that passion dies and you really need to depend depend on your discipline and your why, then it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that even just focusing on the skills you already have encourages us to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Because if I have to go develop a new skill that's hard, that I'm not encouraged or talented in, it makes it so difficult to keep pushing forward. Yeah. And it makes you almost feel like you're not worthy because you don't have the stuff. Mm. But in fact, we do have the stuff, maybe not everything, but at least for the next level, we have the stuff. When it gets to level 10, Maybe we need to develop a little bit more, but let's first get to level two before mm -hmm. we start thinking about level 10. Let's get to level two and be solid in the foundation and then start to enhance and develop what we need as it comes up as we move forward. Mm -hmm. That's real. That's absolutely real. Like you kind of learn as you move and learn as you as you go. Um, exactly. So I am definitely interested in this next question I'm going to ask you because I feel like you've had a very interesting journey and I'm excited for people to hear it. But, you know, this podcast is all about exploring moments of doubt, moments of fear, moments where you were like, but what do I know about this strategy? You know, like I just quit my job. I'm here. I'm starting from scratch or, you know, I'm starting a new thing. But what do I know about entrepreneurship or about strategy? 
So did you ever have any moment like that where you were like, yo, what do I know about this? And how did you, you know, get past that if you have gotten past it? Oh, absolutely. I think I have that too often. Yeah, girl, me too. Um, I'll end up in a room and I'll be like, whoa, who did I scam? (laughs) How did I get here? Like what's happening, you know? And when people are asking, what do you do and trying to size you up based on their perception of what your resume is and whether or not they should respect you based on it, it can be really difficult. Mm -hmm. But the way I've really been able to say, what do I know enough (laughs) is... (laughs) To really hone in on the fact that I'm me. Mm -hmm. Besides like the skills I have, one thing I know that I can take to the bank every day and the check will clear is my personality. Mm -hmm. I can walk into a room and I'll just be friendly and bright and light. And I think also stepping away from trying to be an expert Mm. into more so well, a general expert, more so into being an expert of my experiences. So you can't fact check me on my life and my experiences, oh, all you know, right. because there ain't no book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there ain't no book you can read that could tell you how to be me. And when I even, when I do my work, one of the reasons why I really hone in on capitalizing on people's skills that they already have is because I'm not a professor. Mm-hmm. I haven't read every single book on this. But what I do know is people. And what I do know is that if somebody knows themselves and are empowered in the abilities that they already have, it can change their world. Even if you don't have all the stuff that the gurus and the other coaches are telling you, you need to have. So when I walk into a room, I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone because the fact that my feet are on the same ground as you in this space has, is enough cosign. Mm -hmm. And I'm not walking in trying to compete with you. I will add what I need to add based on my experience. And I'm also very open to the fact that I don't know everything. So I'm very good at listening and being quiet and understanding where my zone of genius is and also humbly acknowledging where it isn't so Mm -hmm. I can glean from people. So I'm not trying to compete with you. So when I'm in there, I'm chill. I'm a be me, period. (laughs) And if you don't like it, it is what it is. But I don't need to prove anymore. Whereas in the beginning, I I felt inferior because I didn't have all the stuff, you know, I didn't have all the degrees. I hadn't read every single book. I didn't know all of the methodologies or the um, hypothesis and the experiments that had been done on everything. But I'm like, I don't need to know all of that. That is not my zone of genius. If I need those things, I can hire highly educated PhD master students Mm -hmm. to bring me the data. Mm -hmm. But I can't hire out this heart that I have and Mm -hmm. the natural skills that I have to do what I do based on my personal lived experience. Girl, I don't know. But did you hear how many times I was saying, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." (laughs) (laughs) because I relate and this is what I love about asking the guests on this podcast this question, especially when they're black women, because one thing about black women, we're going to achieve and we're going to overachieve. And even as we do that, we're going to remain humble and still say, you know, I understand that I don't know everything. And I love it because even me, like when I first started out my career um, in, in housing development, I was I was shaken. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know this. I don't know the bylaws. I don't know politicians. I'm advising them. Affordability issues in the city of Toronto. I'm supposed to be helping. Am I making good? Like there's so many thoughts I was going through my mind. But I was like, you know what? Like you are a community builder at heart. You want to help your mm-hmm. community. This is what you this is where you're what you have within you that no one else can take away from you. 
And then as you grow, you're going to just naturally keep learning from people, whether you choose to read and, you know, as you go, you're going to acquire more skills. And no, I really like that. And when you said, you know, one thing you're going to take to the bank, that's always going to clear is your personality. Yeah, that's real. That is so, so, so real. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that was that was real. But yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, We are going to get into why you're here because we're going to talk about money and some money habits. And um, so I am interested to know because I feel like a lot of what shapes our outlook on money um, is what we sort of were taught as we were growing up and our upbringing, our family, household, all that stuff. So Growing up, what did you sort of learn about money? What was your outlook on money? Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, some of my outlook on money was really that you earn it by the sweat of your brow. Yeah, that, that sounds you work hard for money. Girl, and that sounds very <laughs> Nigerian, to... very African. Mm-hmm. Very, I really you gotta oh. struggle. Yes. Now my goal is to earn money while I lay on a beach, but growing up. It felt like in order to deserve money, you had to work hard. You had to struggle. You had to put in extra effort. And then because of that, money was not to be wasted. And wasted is very, very subjective. But I think essentials and supporting other people. You know, if I have more than enough, I should give back. Vacations aren't necessarily what you need to focus on unless it's for a reason, like maybe someone's celebrating or you need to go back home for like a funeral or something like that, which is in and of itself, not even a vacation. It's an obligation. Yeah. Right. And I, I was also really taught to be kind of mindful, if not fearful of credit cards, because mm. debt will destroy you. And um, going into that mindset, I didn't really feel comfortable with money. I, when I had it, I would just kind of spend it and not look at what I was spending. I remember my mm. first job, I was working at Canada's Wonderland and I got my first um, paycheck and I went out for lunch with my friends and we were at Thai Express and I would be ordering Thai Express, like a pad Thai and it would have like chicken, shrimp and beef, like mm-hmm. gluttonous <laughs> baller, <laughs> swiping, swiping, swiping. And I remember one day we were at the mall in Brampton and I went to RBC to just go check my account. And I saw that the balance was like 16 cents. And I was like, you know, you just been swiping, 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 not realizing that this, this bin is like getting low. Of course I was getting paid again, I think the day after, but the fact that I had been so reckless with my money to the point where I didn't realize that the next swipe would have been one of those mm. <laughs> rejections was a really big thing. So I grew up knowing about money and also hearing that, Money could be the root of all evil. Like, yes, you know, of course. Yeah. People yeah. who were corrupt, like there was never a separation between somebody's personality being not so good and the fact that they had money. It was usually, yeah, these corrupt politicians mm-hmm. with all of their money yes. as if the money was the justification for the behavior when in fact the behavior existed prior to mm-hmm. the money and maybe was exacerbated by the money. So having a lot of money or stockpiling money didn't feel like a comfortable thing for me growing up. And even up until recently, um, similar sentiments had to be really broken for me to enter into like the money levels that I have now and be open to making, receiving, earning, and feeling like I deserve money. That's so interesting. Cause okay. So I can relate to that on a couple of things that you mentioned. So obviously, you know, the, the, I believe it's 
the verse says the love of money is the root of all evil, right? And we're both mm-hmm. Nigerians. So that verse, that that line, it is everywhere. <laughs> Where you go, like the love of money is the root of all evil. So I definitely relate to that. So I also feel like I was taught to like, one thing I appreciate about my mom, my mom always taught me like, never hoard money so much that you can't, like she would always say that you can't open your hand and let it go. Like never hold money tight. Mm. It's a tool to solve problems. So I, I got that from my mom. So I really loved that, right? I will say, I think maybe being African, watching your parents hustle as, as immigrants, um, and then just kind of seeing how hard they hustled made me mm-hmm. also internalize this idea that like money is hard to get. Like, so if it's hard yes. to get, you got to keep it. Like it's hard mm-hmm. to get. And then as of lately, like as I was growing up, I'm like, wait, so I'm in school studying four or five years for a degree. And then there are some YouTubers and gamers who are gaming 24 hours a day and are making millions and billions. The math is not mathing. Like it's not adding up. (laughs) Is it hard to get or is it not? You know, so I definitely relate to that. But I think what's interesting in your case is that you were kind of taught that money shouldn't be stockpiled or kept. And so you're kind of that manifested with you then wanting to just spend the money. I think Mm -hmm. that's interesting because sometimes that could result in people having a fear and wanting to hoard money and not letting it go. But the fact that you were like, well, they said I shouldn't stockpile it. I'm going to let it go. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, that that's very interesting. So do you feel like as you've kind of grown and and moved to different money situations and, you know, obtain different jobs and move to different levels, have you kind of like what have you sort of used to? shift like what are some tools and like methods you've used to kind of like shift the way that you viewed money and 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 all that yeah um i look at money as a tool mm-hmm. to buy back my time to buy mm-hmm. back effort to buy back and buying back time can be anything from hiring a cleaner to realizing that my skill set is speaking not editing so i <laughs> hire an editor so i can spend all of a, a larger majority of my time doing the thing i'm good at and I feel like the more money I have, the more I'm able to fulfill my purpose on this earth. So mm. it would actually be against purpose to be afraid to earn more money or to demand what I believe I deserve. I, as a person, am a giver. I give of myself through my words. I give my time, my energy, and money. Mm-hmm. Those are things I love. That's what makes me feel whole and makes me feel purposeful on this earth. And the more money I have, the more I can do, the further this impact can go. So it's actually my honor to make that money to demand what I need. But it took a little while to get there Mm -hmm. where if people would ask me what my rate is, I would stutter on the rate or I would give them my rate. And instead of just leaving the silence and letting everybody feel uncomfortable with it, I'd be like, but But you know what? (laughs) If you don't have that budget, you know, I'm willing to, you know, why... Yeah. That feeling of needing to pacify mm-hmm. my discomfort by mm-hmm. minimizing my value for fear that somebody else would minimize my value. Right. It, I think it really goes to like a scarcity mindset mm-hmm. in, in some regard. You know, unworthiness, yes, and also scarcity. Because if I tell you my price and you can't afford it, mm-hmm. and I am confident that this skill is worth that, I should be able to walk away from that in confidence that the person who does understand the value will come. You know, but feeling the need to like drop it down to fit into their mold 
shifts the power dynamic in a way where right. it's like, yeah. I'm grateful to be here because I don't feel I deserve it. So whatever you give me, I'm, I'm okay with it. it. Right. You right, know, right. so that's a really big one. And I remember last year I received like one of the largest checks mm-hmm. I've ever received for work. And I was shaking to cash it. Like, <laughs> like, like the check in and of itself, I was like, who was supposed to cash this check? Me? Like, I was staring at the check and I could not cash it because I was like, wow, like, what did I do to deserve this? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's that like mental mindset of understanding our worth and then being able to in gratitude and in confidence receive our worth. Because it's one thing to say, I know what I'm worth, but when you're faced with your worth, (laughs) like, how do you react to it? it, Yeah. How do you take it? And then what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, um, a big one for me is, has been overcoming the black tax, like where feeling like, okay, I'm making more money than I've ever made. I have different people in my life that I believe deserve the same opportunities as me and Mm -hmm. they don't have it yet. Mm -hmm. And now there's a guilt around spending, Mm -hmm. around speaking Mm -hmm. about the amounts that I'm making Mm -hmm. and even around not sharing or giving Mm -hmm. because it's almost like this money's burning a hole in my conscious and I need to relieve that discomfort by getting rid of this money, Mm -hmm. which in and and of itself can actually block us from being able to build the wealth that we need long-term and build that legacy because we're trying to pay our guilt away. Yeah. (laughs) getting rid of the money and giving it to people so that we don't feel like we've gotten something that we don't deserve. I call, it's kind of like a survivor's guilt. It but is. It's yeah. Not, it's like a wealth guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're the first one, I, I'm sure people who win the lottery, they deal with it all the time, which is why so many lottery winners end up broke mm-hmm. again by in like a couple years. Yep. But it's a big one that I'm really trying to, I'm still actively working through it, but I'm a lot better now. And also I just, um, put aside certain amounts of money that I want to use to do things like maybe send money back home or support people. So it's not just everything, you know, I think I'm a big proponent of making room Mm -hmm. for the habits and the skills that you already have. Yeah. Instead of just trying to block them out or go cold Turkey. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you, you covered a lot and these are so good and practical and I'm going to try and like, there was some things there that I was like, yes, yes, yes. Um, firstly, it's funny you mentioned the, the whole black tax and sending money back home, because that's another conversation that we're going to have for financial literacy month, because that is a big, big, big aspect of what can often put a lot of people behind financially or mm-hmm. well behind in quotes, because it gives you that feeling like you're behind because you're constantly having to give what you're making. And it's often like a big chunk of it. So that's yeah. that's that aside. So I'm excited to have that. And I'm glad you mentioned it. Also, what I can really appreciate from even just hearing you talk is that you are comfortable with the idea of like, yeah, I want to make money. Because I think even for me, like if you had asked me like three, four years ago, like, Chid, like do you, Chidma, do you want to make money? Like, do you want to be a wealthy girl? I'd be like, yeah, I want to make money. And I kind of kept saying like, I want to make enough money for me and my family to be comfortable and then a little and then some. But now I'm like, nah, sis, you want to make money. (laughs) But I think, again, like you mentioned, it's this idea of like, I don't want to be perceived like I'm hoarding wealth from other Mm -hmm. people. And then I think 
maybe there's a part of me that's also scared that like the more money you make, the less you relate to everybody else around you. Like, I don't know. You, you know, yeah. yeah. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. now you're shopping in Gucci Louie and everyone is like, well, you know, Zara, H&M. Yeah. So maybe there's a part of me too that's like, you know, will I not be able to relate to those around me? Or will I be perceived as just been out of touch and hoarding, you know? So when I hear yeah. you speak about the fact that like, the more money you make, you're actually able to fulfill your purpose and to help others and to carry out your work. I'm like, damn, that's you. You've really hacked it because, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that's really the way it is. Like it's a tool. And like you mentioned, to buy back time is really, really it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And that part you just said is re- really real. And I think the psychological effect of feeling like we're separated from our communities is a big one. We are communal people. Mm -hmm. And anything that I do that makes me feel separated from my community makes me feel unsafe. You know, it makes me feel like I'm on my own, like I can't relate. And a lot of times we spend time trying to prove that we're still down. We haven't changed. We're still the same, you know? And in doing that, we are hindering our ability to grow. And I'm not saying get rid of your communities, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also saying find community in the new spaces you occupy as well. We can have multiple communities. If I'm the only one within my circle, for example, doing what I do, Mm -hmm. then I can meet new friends who do what I do as well so that, yes, I love my people who I've known and grown up with my whole life. Mm -hmm. And there is value in them that I could never get rid of. But for these new levels and these new like tentacles of my life, I also need people who I can connect with over there because then it can get lonely. You know, like I said, lonely Lonely at at the the top. top. (laughs) It doesn't have to be lonely at the top. (laughs) It doesn't. There are people at the top as well, whatever the top is for you and find those people and commune with them so that then there's not that guilt of feeling or that loneliness that you can experience if you're by yourself mm-hmm. and then you don't have that guilt because no one in your no one person in your life can fulfill all the needs of your life exactly you know so yeah. finding people for the different pockets of your life mm-hmm. will make it a lot easier to decompress that stress and that anxiety that we feel when we're stepping into new things yeah that we're the only one in our circle maybe Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. 
That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Absolutely. And I think especially at sort of like the age group that we're in right now, like that late 20s, early 30s, this is where people are kind of moving at their own timeline. So you might have a friend who you can't be doing brunches with every weekend because they just can't afford it. Or even for me now, I 100% relate to what you said. Like I have my group of friends with the girls that I've known maybe from like university and school, but now I've had to make new groups of friends that relate to the content life and podcasting and business and entrepreneurship where I can also get fed that way because this other group of ladies may not completely understand the, you know, the aspects of that. So I a hundred percent like agree. And I think it's needed so that you don't start to like also internalize or resent people like, yeah. Especially if you're that one friend who feels like you're making more money and now you're paying for all the dinners and you're mm. resenting. You're like, can't you guys offer to pay for dinner sometimes? Like, can't you guys offer to come pick me up? And, you know, so I, I yeah. 100% get that. And, you know, that part of the resentment, sometimes it's that black tax that yes. puts pressure and obligation on us. Mm-hmm. If the bill came out, someone else might have spoken up and say, let's split it evenly. But because you feel this obligation, you're there shouting and throwing your card in the yeah. air and then getting mad at the people when nobody even asked you to pay in the first place. Exactly. Because right? sometimes it's our mindset that creates these self-fulfilling prophecies that mm-hmm. get us stuck into situations where we resent people for the things we thought they, they wanted. Like, yeah. We didn't confirm or deny, mm-hmm. you know? So there's there's just so much nuance and complexity to it that it's it's a lot, but we slowly work through it as we can. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. No, that's real. That is real. So um, on another podcast that you had done, you had sort of talked about this aspect where I believe in 2018 or 2019, you were you were carrying a lot of debt. Uh, it was about 30K. So I want to know, you know, what happened, why, you know, that occurred, why you were in debt of that magnitude, and then how you, you know, let's start with that. And then we'll get into like what methods you actually use to like paying it off. Yes. So it was the end of 2019. As I said, February of 2019, I quit my job. Mm -hmm. I was working in wealth management on Bay Street. It was, it was cute. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it was cute, but girl, yeah, I've definitely worked around there too. So it's definitely overhyped. Yes. um, So I quit to become an entrepreneur to build this business and do things on my own term. And part of me quitting was acknowledging the fact that I had no savings. It got to a point where I was like, I need to quit. Um, I was feeling that push. Mm -hmm. I had prayed about it. I got spiritual confirmation. And I was like, I'm going to quit with no savings, which I do not recommend. This is not financial advice. I just put it out there so no one comes and sues (laughs) me. This is not financial advice. This is Tokes' personal story and experience. So I quit with no savings, understanding the fact that in order to build a business from scratch, there's going to be investment. There's right. going to be investment in, in self, mm-hmm. investment in courses, investment in going to networking events or going to different places and just investment in survival. Yeah, you know, I'm living, I have to continue surviving. Luckily, I will say, I think it's important to acknowledge privilege. Mm-hmm. I live at home. I do not pay mortgage. Girl, me I do too. not pay rent. Mm-hmm. So the decision I made would have probably been different if I had a mortgage or rent to cover month over month. Yeah, so that's true. not saying that I wouldn't have done it, but I may have done it differently. I may have, may have waited a little more, but just want to put that out there as well. Mm-hmm. So in the span of that year of 
investing in building this business. By the end of the year, I had a little bit of debt coming into prior to quitting. But by the end of the year, I was $30,000 in debt. Right. Was it scary? Not really, because I had complete faith and conviction that I would be able to pay this money back because my business that I was building would be successful. <laughs> Round of applause. Because <laughs> when you said, was it scary? Not, I, was, I thought you were going to say, hell yeah. But you were like, not really. Oh. And I was like, oh, wow. I love it. Because for me, owing someone $100 I can't sleep at night. So, yeah. and this is something that I've had to learn from. I don't know if this is necessarily a gender thing, but men are really good at this. Like my dad will explain to me how he's going to take this loan and flip it and do this with it and take credit. And he's like, I'm not scared. We can do. And I'm like, oh, no, I want to pay this off. Like I've been, I've been paying them the car. For, it's like you want to stress over that. Use this and turn it. And I'm like, wow, like I love how people are able to leverage good debt. Like you said, it was investment mm -hmm. in yourself, in your survival, in the business, and you knew and had faith in it, right? So I completely appreciate and love that because I think that's a part of me right now that I'm like getting over and learning to be able to kind of like play and take some risks with money. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I definitely mm -hmm. like give you the kudos for that. So when that sort of happened and you know, you weren't, you said you weren't nervous, you obviously taken taking this on, you're investing in yourself. Is, is the business starting to grow? Like at what point were you able to kind of make a profit and then start paying, paying uh, down the debt? Mm, it was more so 2020. Okay. Um, the business hadn't even really started to grow that much. It was because a lot of the plans of what I had, first of all, I wrote a book that year and I had a book launch. I sold copies. I made a couple thousand dollars from that. And then I was planning that, oh, 2020, I was going to go do book talks. I was going to do like poetry month, mm. Black History Month, International Women's Month. I was going to like kill that February, March, April circuit. Right. And then the pandemic of said, course. hold those horses mm -hmm. and like stop and slow down, you know? And because of that, I think because my business was so fresh, my ability to pivot was also fresh because everything was right. new, you know, yeah. like everything was a vibe. Everything was an experiment anyway. Mm -hmm. So in that year, I was able to get um, CERB assistance based on like my finance and everything. And because I really wasn't leaving the house, any money I made, I also had a baking business mm. that I was still running from home, treats by toques, like just little at home baking for family and stuff. I was able to just pay down my debt more aggressively. Right. But at the same time, I was still spending. So it wasn't really going down. I'd say it was more towards the end of, towards 2021, where I received a few different consulting opportunities, a few steady speaking gigs where I'm making maybe 3000 a month, 4000 a month, where I was able to just like chunk a bunch of money into it. Mm -hmm. um, and then by June 10th, 2022, seven days before my 30th birthday, I was able to pay it all off. So that's why I always remember that day. Cause I was like, no, we ain't going into the next decade. decade right. debt. We're going <laughs> to clear it right. out. But um, one of the things that was really important to me on this debt process, like accumulating and repaying the debt was to not tell anybody. Mm. Um, no one in my family knew that I had this type of debt because Although I said I was okay, it was probably hanging on by a thread. And I knew that the weight of other people adding their pressure and their fear to me was probably not something I had capacity for. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is going to be a secret. I didn't tell my family members, like my sister and my mom, until 
February of 2022, when I realized that, yo, I'm going to pay this off in three months. That's when I told him. Even at that point, my mom was like, ah, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> chill, sis, chill, chill, chill. <laughs> like, We're on the tail end of this. And I could only imagine if that loving fear was added to my discomfort of entering this new path at the beginning when I couldn't foresee exactly how mm-hmm. this thing I had faith in was going to manifest, you know? Mm-hmm. So I kept it quiet, didn't need anything from anyone, no fear, no support. It was me and God and we wrote it out and I eventually paid it off. That's good. But honestly, that's probably a good call. Cause like you said, that love and fear would have definitely added a little bit of angst in the beginning where it's now you're like, talks, this is too much. How can you do this? It's like, oh my God. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely hear that. I also think (laughs) um, it's interesting that you were able to start making quite a little bit of money monthly, even during the pandemic. Was that something that you expected? Because, you know, maybe, of course, it's probably just the nature of your field and your business and more consulting, like normally with overhead and the initial costs, like you wouldn't expect a business to really start like, turning a profit profit after like maybe a couple of years so the fact that you Mm -hmm. were able to do that within like the first year year and a half like was that something you expected um to be honest I had no expectations of how things would go okay my expectations were really are you doing your best are you trying are you pushing okay and as long as you keep pushing my prayer my hope was that the ground would meet me as I took steps forward and that's just really how it went um as well with my business, my business is very cost conscious. Right. All I need is my laptop and some Wi-Fi. Yeah. And yeah. we're running this thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the world. And I think that's also something to consider for anyone who wants to start a business. Don't go down the rabbit hole of watching a bunch of videos, listening to a bunch of podcasts who tell you that you need to have the latest 10, tech thousand different softwares mm-hmm. and the latest tech to start. Because you don't even know how far into that thing you're going to go, you know? And as you continue to develop your business, you grow as you go. Mm -hmm. When I started making YouTube videos, um, I wasn't even sure if I'd like it. So I used my sister's old camera that would overheat after 25 minutes. And that was okay because it's going to get hot, but it's better than the heat of $3,000 in my pocket (laughs) from buying a new camera. Exactly. So being able to realize that my business didn't need a lot mm-hmm. in the beginning and I, I was willing to start scrappy. I needed more knowledge. So right. I was investing more in like programs and courses and things to really refine and hone my skills more so than physical overhead things. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm sitting in a corner of my bedroom that I've kind of turned into like my office nook. Yeah, That was always there. So I made sure that I was spending money on things in a way where I was spending the cheapest amount I could. Yeah. Even when I wrote my book, um, there was a software called Scrivener that I really liked and I wanted to use to write my book, but it was expensive in terms of what I needed. So what I did first is I used Google Drive to write out all the chapters of my book, printed it out, edited everything. And then when I realized how I wanted my book to be formatted, then I downloaded the seven-day Scrivener trial and used that in, and it, it's not seven days as in seven straight days, it's seven uses. So each mm-hmm. time I was on for a day, I made my money's worth and I was able to use that. Even the cover page of my book, I used Adobe Illustrator. So I downloaded the seven day Adobe trial when I was ready, designed the book cover. So I didn't spend a penny, mm-hmm. but I was willing to invest the time into going the long path that could be a little cheaper than going the direct path. 
to spend money that I really didn't have available to me at the time. Yeah, that makes sense because it's a trade-off. You're either spending the time or you're spending the money. Or you're spending yeah. the money, period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and ex- especially for where you were at that time, it made more mm-hmm. sense. Even for me, like when people are like, oh, you know, I want to start a podcast, da, 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 this mic. And, and I'm like, you don't need the $500 mic. Get the $80 one, $50 yeah. one. Start with that. And if you're seeing by year three, you're still going then you can start to gradually up it. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. 100% agree. So I want to get into the last little portion of our conversation where we kind of connect the mindset work that you do with your business strategy, because this is something that I, I'm kind of drawn to the work that you do. Like I follow you on socials and I love that you do like speak-ins at like schools and organizations and stuff like that. So how did you sort of get into including the mindset aspect into like your strategy, your strategy work. Um, and then I want to kind of get into the connection between our mindset and our, our business. But yeah, how did you kind of incorporate that aspect? Um, the, the reason why I incorporated it was because I realized that if my mind wasn't aligned on the truth of something, my actions wouldn't be able to last long enough. Mm. If you don't believe that what you're doing can actually work, even if everybody's telling you it's the best thing ever, you're not going to be able to see it. And these are like internal processes. I I love the fact that I'm supported by so many people who encourage me, but when people encourage me in things that I don't yet have that personal conviction for, mm-hmm. my ability to have successful output is diminished greatly. Yeah. Even more so than me doing something on my own yeah. and having that internal conviction while the externals don't even know what I'm doing or don't have the support for me. Like I always find that when that internal is aligned, yeah. everything else seems to follow suit and people tend to believe in your sauce when yep. you are already drunk off the re- your own recipe. Yeah, you know? so- <laughs> yeah that's real. <laughs> that is so real. So then um, I guess for, for people who are listening who I either, you know, entrepreneurs or even just wanting to maybe get out of debt, wanting to gradually improve their financial situation. What are some mindset changes or some, yeah, like some positive mindset work or tools that have sort of helped you that may be able to help others as they kind of like improve their financial situation? So I have a client that I've done some financial strategy with. And one of the big things that helped her was realizing what your bad habits are, acknowledging them and making accommodations for them instead of trying to just deny them or put them down. So Mm. I'll give an example. So um, my client was trying to hit all of her financial goals and she realized that whenever she would get stressed or overwhelmed, the way that she would calm that ease was to go shopping. And she would shop and spend a bunch of money and feel good in the moment. But then when it got to the end of the month and she was looking at her finances, she would now feel guilty because that sprint of shopping or that stint of shopping has taken her back. Right. And some people, um, when we had spoken, had told her like, you got to stop doing that. You got to stop doing that. But I'm like, no, let's make accommodations for the truths that lie within ourselves. And let's hold on to our our strengths. Mm-hmm. So what we decided to do was make an oh shit fund. Mm. <laughs> Excuse my language. Yeah, yeah. All so good. <laughs> every every week, every whenever she wanted, she would throw money into this fund, mm-hmm. like maybe $30 here, $25 here. If she was supposed to go out with friends to eat and decided she didn't want to do that anymore, right. she would take that money that she was expecting to spend and put it into that oh shit fund. So that when inevitably mm-hmm. 
that feeling of discomfort came in, her sense of easing it was to spend. Instead of spending recklessly, she would go to the fund and say, how much do I have here? Right. Okay, this is how much we're going to spend. I'm going to go shopping within these means. I'm going to feel good about it and still be on track for my financial goals in the future. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a fan of like reinventing the wheel or taking away everything that that seems negative. Mm -hmm. We can put positive spins on things because for her, spending allowed her to feel in control. It allowed her to feel comfortable and to be able to make decisions. Whereas the things that stressed her out were usually outside of her control. So why would I now take away her autonomy and the thing that eases her by adding additional guilt and control over that when we could make accommodations to effectively make room for those things without also losing the ultimate goals that she had. So I'd say whatever your habits are, pay attention to those habits, find the root of what is actually causing them and make accommodations for them within your financial journey and even within your life journey. So that you don't end up feeling guilty and having this like self-loathing feeling. But instead, we acknowledge our humanity, which is the flaws and the great stuff, mm-hmm. while also keeping our goals in mind long term. That's that's really smart. Kind of accommodating those things. I like that because. Yeah. Yeah. Because you may tell yourself, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But we know ourselves. <laughs> we know exactly. exactly. And it's better that you're prepared for it so that when you do it, you and you don't feel guilty afterwards versus like not being prepared for it at all and just thinking that it's not going to happen. That's real. That's real. Um, That's a really good one. Do you have any other like tools or anything that have helped you personally in terms of that shift in the mindset? Mm -hmm. Um, In the debt repayment space, I was really, um, one of the things I did was found the path of least interest, Mm. which is any financial means to pay the least amount of interest. So some of the ones that I was able to find during my time, and I know they're still available, are like zero balance, um, zero interest credit cards. Oh, yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I know MBNA has one okay. where if you transfer into them, you pay zero interest for maybe like eight to nine months. Okay. You pay like a little like 2% fee on whatever the amount you transfer into the credit card is. But like stuff like that, right now the interest rates are kind of crazy, but when they're lower, things like line of credits are also available. Mm -hmm. So I was always trying to move my money to the place, well, the majority of my debt to the place that had the least amount of interest so I could focus on paying the highest interest um, account first, which is like the snowball method, but there's a bunch of different ways to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Pay attention to that. Be scrappy, like (laughs) find any opportunity and also remember that even if it is a giant snowball of debt, like $30,000, paying it off starts with a dollar. Yeah. So don't ever look and say, oh, all I have is $5. That's not even going to make a dent. $5 times 500 days mm-hmm. of not making a debt is going to make a dent. Yeah. In the same way that if you say that's nothing and you don't put that in, that money is going to be spent elsewhere. Don't be so hard on yourself thinking that you have to be throwing in large sums. If you put in $2,000 to pay off your credit card and then that next month you spend $1,500 and all you really put in was $500, that's okay. Right. Let's, ru- let's rinse and repeat. Yeah, next exactly. Month and do, <laughs> and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always going to be perfect, but I say consistency and discipline will always beat out perfection because yeah. perfection actually doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So get yourself in the habit of throwing something mm-hmm. in whenever you have an extra, an extra bit and even if it doesn't look like it's doing anything now, in the long run, you're going to be more grateful for those slight movements forward. Yeah. Because if you didn't put anything in, 
it would slightly be growing bigger exactly. in the opposite direction. <laughs> Something's ha- there's always going to be movement. So like even if it's a millimeter forward, that's better than a thousand millimeters backwards. backwards yep. You know, mm-hmm. so do what you can. Yep. <laughs> that's real. That's real. Well, thank you so much for you know all that you've shared for you know the mindset tips, the strategy tips. I really appreciate you. And um, before I let you go. We are going to switch segments a little bit. I do like to end up the podcast on a light note. So, you know, I'm going to ask you, you know, four fun, lighthearted questions. And without thinking too hard, I just want to hear the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Great. Okay. So um, what is one place in the world that you want to visit? Oh, wow. <laughs> Dubai. Ooh, that was the first girl, one that came hey, to Yep, yep. Dubai was the first one that came to Yeah, I must so, say, yeah. like, all y'all making Dubai look lit. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I need to see what's happening for myself. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, what TV show or, yeah, what TV show, movie, or series currently has you hooked? Hmm. Big Brother. Yeah? I'm just... I'm a big brother. Any particular junkie. location, <laughs> yeah. like Big Brother Canada, Big Brother Niger, Big um, Brother. <laughs> oh, no, oh, uh, no offense. Not Big Brother Niger. Yeah. I like strategy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like Big Brother Niger ain't giving strategy. No offense. Yeah. It, 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 it's vibes and bats. Yeah. I'm here for like Big Brother Canada, Big Brother America. Right now, there's a season of um, Big Brother America going yeah. on. I love the strategy. Yep. I love the mm-hmm. backstabbing, yeah. the finesse. Everything about it is just so good. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah, I definitely need to get plugged into the the American one. I haven't been watching it. Um, okay, favorite drink that you're currently enjoying? This can be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. What's your like your go-to drink? Kombucha. Girl, yes. I like kombucha. Yeah. I'm trying to get fit. And um, I like the fizz of pop, but like not all the sugar. So a little kombucha in a wine glass hits the spot <laughs> and gives us the good probiotics. Yeah. So I'm all for it. I love Rise. That's my favorite. Brand yeah, Rise is really good. good. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, final question. I'm interested to know the answer to this one. What personality trait of yours has gotten you in trouble the most? Ah, my mouth. <laughs> It is it is the most stunning double-edged sword ever. Girl, like, it'll get you. <laughs> yeah, like I'm very quick-witted yeah. and I'm very quick with responses. I, I can build up, yeah. but the same amount of vigor, God's working on my heart <laughs> and my mouth. Um, because the quickness to the insults and the replies, it's probably also my Yoruba blood. Girl. Like, Yoruba is a very poetic language with a lot of words. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's my mouth. Like I got to bite that tongue sometimes until it starts to bleed because if the words leave, Girl, we bigger could be trouble. trouble. Bigger trouble. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Well, those are all the questions I have for you, girl. Thank you so much again for being on the podcast. Um, you know, before we we end off, I just want you to, you know, share your socials, your work, how people can connect with you, work with you, all that good stuff. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Some girl chat. Right. It was great. I can't wait to come back and have more conversations with you. you. Well, <laughs> um, everywhere on the Internet, it's Tokes Talks. So that's TokesTalks.com for my website. Tokes Talks for Twitter, IG, TikTok, YouTube everywhere you can find me there and if you want to work with me you can go on my website or go on my instagram and go to my link tree and i have my calendly link there to book strategy sessions if you'd like to do that with me but you could also just subscribe to my youtube and my social media i share a lot of information on this journey and on this path for free 
And then if you decide you want to work with me after that, hit up the Calendly. Right. That's perfect. And I will put all of Tox's information in the episode description so y'all can, you know, connect with her directly. But thank you so much for being on this podcast again. This has been Thanks great. Yes. All right. So we are at the end of this podcast episode. Thank you all for sticking around and listening to my conversation with Talks as we just talked about, you know, money, money mindset, her life lessons as she's gone through her journey to starting her business and also paying off her debt as well. I hope you all enjoyed it and took something away. As always, you can keep connected with us on our Instagram page at BWDIK podcast for some reels, some BTS As always, you know, feel free to share the podcast episode with someone you feel, you know, will enjoy and benefit from this conversation. Stay well, stay warm, and I will talk to you all real soon. Bye for now. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.